Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast, and this is episode number 63 with Alimalay McFarlane. Before I get to her and how badass she is, some things to talk about. First of all, if you can hear honking or shouting, in fact, Brian, let's, 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 let's leave it in if, if, if my microphone's picking it up right now. But there's some kind of fight going on in the alley behind my apartment. So there's always weird stuff going on back there. Bay Ridge is weird, man. I mean, there's like, it's, there's always altercations. Usually like it's a Friday and Saturday night. It's kind of like when people are coming out of the bars, but there's always like a, like a big juiced up guy versus like a, like a popped collar type of guy. I mean, literally every single one is the same. Every single fight that happens. If you're, if you're on like Fifth, where fifth meets eighty-sixth in Brooklyn, like where that that halal truck is, the best halal truck. I would, I would, I would put that up against anyone, uh, like kind of by by pizza wagon. Um, yeah, there's always fights there. You could go to YouTube and, and put in Bay Ridge fight, and I think like the few that are on there are from like that exact spot. Um, but that's all a long-winded way of saying if you hear background noise, there's some weird stuff going on in in, in the background, and uh, I got to get this intro in. So sorry. Uh, okay. What have I been doing lately? I purchased the one way ticket. That is the start of this, you know, indefinite amount of timed journey that I'm going to be going on. And I'm really, really excited about it. I'm I'm flying into the Philippines. Chitra, who's been on this podcast, I'm going to see in the Gili Islands in Indonesia at the end of July. And the rest of it's just totally not mapped out. I know I want to go to Sri Lanka in Bangladesh, in Nepal, in Bhutan, in India, maybe down the east coast of Africa. There's so many places that I want to go. In this episode, we talked about New Zealand, and now that's got me hype on New Zealand. So, wow. Um, I don't know. I'm super excited about this and just really excited that I'm going to be putting out cool content from around the world. And I'm going to be talking to interesting people. And maybe I'm going to be talking to you. I don't know. If you want to, if you're following like where I'm going and, and you're checking out the Instagram or listening to the podcast and I'm in your country or your city and you want to suggest things to do, I would love that. If you want to meet up and grab a beer and, you know, help me learn about your, your life and your culture and things like that, I would, I would love that. Uh, super excited that I'm going to be meeting some people that I've had on here that, you know, I recorded remotely and never actually had to, got to have a face-to-face with. Uh, early on, I used to do these, the remote ones, just straight voice call. And lately, I think maybe like the last five I've done video and it's so much smoother. It's, I think maybe it's a little bit of a creepy proposition for, for a dude to be reaching out to someone and saying like, Hey, we could, we could do this interview and we could do it over video. Um, but it's, 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 it's a lot better for reading facial cues and things like that. Um, so yeah, excited to meet some of those folks. Um, what else? I just got back from Pennsylvania. I went to a lake house with my two best buds in Tafton, Pennsylvania, I think it's called. Uh, both of them have been on the TV, TV podcast too. Um, in the early days, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anyone outside of, out of, outside of my circle. I've really been quite fortunate now to, have had so many amazing conversations with so many really cool and talented and inspiring people. But, you know, 
I'm, I've got interesting friends as well. And they were the ones who supported me from day one and, and helped me to get a couple of episodes under my belt. So I, I love them anyway, but I love them for that. And one of those friends is Dan Donnarumma, who just started his own podcast. So I want to plug that. It is called the Create and Destroy Podcast. If you want to check him out on Instagram, it's Create and Destroy Podcast. That's uh, his handle. Or you can put that into any of your favorite podcast applications. And his first episode, the inaugural episode, is up. I am his first guest. So Tim Vetter will be the uh, second episode of the Create and Destroy Podcast. Today is... Thursday, June 7th. Yeah, Thursday, June 7th. So that will come out. Uh, this will be out by then. So that'll come out on Tuesday, June 12th. So please head over to the Create and Destroy podcast. Give him a nice five-star rating. Give me one too, please. And um, yeah, check him out. Uh, love him. Love you, Dan. Okay, my guest today is Alimalay McFarlane. Uh, she is the inaugural women's flyweight champion for Bellator. And I, I think you've probably seen that uh, I'm really interested in people with unique stories. I'm really interested in exploring origins and culture and things like that. And, you know, I love uh, martial arts and combat sports in general. I love MMA. But I'm really interested in sort of some of the other things that are going on in some of the fighters' lives that I find interesting. And Alima Lay has always been really... Um, proactive in promoting or conscious about promoting Hawaiian culture, uh, Pacific Island culture. And I've, it, it's really cool to see that um, in exploring her a little bit more and doing research for this, I saw that she had this scholarship and that she's done some work in Panama. And so there, there's also some crazy stuff. Like uh, she was in Hawaii when that whole really weird uh you know, a uh, missile launch thing happened where it wasn't, it was just a test, but this was in like the heart of the, the Trump Kim Jong-un weirdness. And it, it, there was at least a warning that North Korea had launched a missile into the Pacific. So uh, we talk about all that stuff and, um, and a whole lot more. So check out the show notes for this episode so you can find all her social media I mentioned the scholarship and I'm going to donate some money to that. If you donate money to the scholarship, even if it's like, let's even say whatever's within your means, but a dollar to $5, uh, I will, I've got five stickers now. So if you donate and take a screenshot of that and you email me that screenshot at the voyages of Tim Vetter at Gmail, or you just DM it on one of the social media platforms, I will send you my five stickers. So anything from, you know, a dollar to five dollars that you donate to it, uh, I'll send you those five stickers. Also, check out my Instagram, The Voyages of Tim V. And I should really change that to Tim Vetter, right? Yeah, I think I've said this. Why haven't I done that? Uh, but for now, The Voyages of Tim V. Do that to check out. I'll be doing a giveaway for some of those the Pineapple Princess shirts. Uh, Olimale has these really cool... Uh, new designs where it's like a like a, a skull-shaped pineapple. And I always do, you know, it's real simple. I'll just ask you to either leave a five-star rating or to comment on the post or something like that, and I'll put you in the running. For any of those things, I'm going to have to kind of put, you know, a cap date on that because after uh, June 30th, how many days are in June? Yeah. Um, 
I will be gone. <laughs> I'm not going to have a home or anything like that. Um, so I, I won't have anything with me to ship. I do bring my stickers overseas, but I'm not going to be able to ship those around the world. So let's maybe put a cap on all of those things for maybe like June 26th-ish so that I can get all that stuff out to you before I leave. Um, okay, if you want to support this podcast in another way, I do have a Patreon account. It doesn't really generate money yet, but holding out hope. Uh, you know, I, I do lose money doing this. I'm not complaining about it, uh, but it would be nice to, to at least break even. Uh, I pay for uh, the production and things like that. Uh, you know, the wizard is the one who makes all the remote conversation sound really good. And um, yeah, I'm going to be going around the world now <laughs> without uh, an income source to, to put out cool episodes. So um, if, it, if it's within your means to, to do uh, donation through Patreon, I would love that. But if it's not, I love you just the same. Uh, it's incredible that I get to do this and to talk to really cool and inspiring people. And Ali Malay is one of those people that I'm, I'm inspired by, and I think she's doing really cool things. So uh, yeah. Hope you enjoy this one. You're about to hear a song by a tribe called Red. You will hear why once you get into the the, the meat of this episode. All right. Bye-bye.
it's an honor to have you on, and uh, I know I'm not somebody from MMA media or anything like that, so I appreciate you even giving me the time like this deep into a fight camp. Yeah, of course. No worries. You got me right before the rush of uh, interviews. So um, next week, Tuesday, is when I do like probably four hours worth of interviews just back to back to back. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy I was able to squeeze you in as well. Yeah, well, uh, awesome. Appreciate it. So maybe we'll start kind of at the beginning. I think that people who are fight fans or, or fans of you know a bit about your your background in athletics and in wrestling. Uh, but for folks who might be tuning in because they listen to the podcast for travel or, or for, for, for other reasons, uh, let's get your backstory. Um, you didn't come necessarily from a martial arts background, right? No, I didn't. Um, I mean, unless you consider wrestling. Mm. Uh, I, I wrestled from since third grade. You know, I did like after school wrestling. And then once I got to middle school, I competed for my school. And then high school, I competed. Uh, all, well, I, I was on varsity um, for three years because my freshman year, I actually tore my ACL. I had to get surgery several times. So that was my freshman year. I was out. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, I had a wrestling background, but aside from that, you know, I, I've never been in a street fight before never threw a punch. I didn't even watch MMA at all mm. until I started training, um, in 2013. So yeah, I, I always say I'm the worst MMA fan because people always reference, you know, past fights and fighters. I'm like, I don't know who that is. So yeah, I guess it's safe to say that I didn't come from a martial arts background at all. Um, but my wrestling was definitely my foundation and kind of, it's been my saving grace as far as my, um, since my MMA journey has began. So you wrestled in Hawaii then? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was the impetus to make you start training, um, in California? Yeah. So I came up to California to go to San Diego state. And I, uh, I gained a lot of weight in college. I gained probably anywhere like from like 30 pounds. I think I gained my first year. And so, uh, yeah, it was a struggle, especially going to SDSU or kind of a notorious party school. And, uh, it was consisted of a lot of late night parties followed by Mexican food at like two in the morning. So I ended up putting on a lot of weight. And when I finished my undergrad, I kind of had a semester off finally. And I decided, you know, I'm going to get back into shape. So I ended up joining a couple of gyms and one of them was a gym that, um, I would pass by on my way to work. It was an MMA gym. And, um, you know, others were like 24 hour fitness and like another workout gym. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to join a couple gyms, see which one I like. And, um, also one of the reasons why I decided to give MMA a try was because I saw several other girls from Hawaii who I actually wrestled with back in high school, like Raquel Pa'aluhi, Kylan Karan, um, and they were fighting and, and, uh, were really good at it. So I'm like, you know, like, I think I want to give it a shot. If they can do it, I can do it. Um, just purely based on our wrestling backgrounds, you know? So, so yeah, I decided to try this gym out and I ended up being pretty good at it. And 
that's that's how I got into MMA. It was like kind of by chance, just the fact that I worked at this restaurant down the road, and to this day, that's still the gym, the same gym, the same gym mm. that I stepped foot in my first day is the same gym that I've been with this entire time, which I guess is pretty rare. Um, I didn't know that a lot of a lot of fighters kind of go from gym to gym, but this is the only one that I've I've been with from the beginning. One of the things that's really exciting about uh, being a fan of, of martial arts is that you have these really interesting personalities. Like, I mean, sometimes things play out like, like a soap opera, right? Um, I think a large part of that is because it's, it's not a, a team sport per se, uh, but also it's, it's part of marketing yourself, like what makes you unique and individual. Um, and one of the things that you do is you really try to promote uh, island culture and Hawaii culture and native cultures. And I think that's really cool and exciting and I wanna explore some of that a little bit. Um, so in, in a broad sense, what does it mean to you to be um, from Hawaii or, or from the islands and from the Pacific? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a huge part of my identity. And like you said, I do, um, you know, represent my Hawaiian culture, my island roots a lot. Like that is how I promote myself. You know, I'm the Hawaiian girl. I'm from Hawaii. I'm the pineapple princess, you know, so um, it's a very large part of my identity. And, um, and sorry, what was the question? I kind of blanked out. <laughs> no, I think you were touching on it, just what, what that means to you, and especially as, um, oh. as a champ from, right. from the islands. Yeah. Um, so probably the biggest thing that means to me is just, uh, you know, Hawaii probably has the best support system um, for all the fighters, you know, like the entire state of Hawaii basically shuts down whenever one of their fighters is fighting there. Everybody's watching it. Everybody's behind them and supporting them. So just that alone means so much to me. Like I, I truly feel like I have the best support system going into every single one of my fights. And regardless of um, me living up here in the mainland and training up here in the mainland, Hawaii is still like, I'm still their girl, you know? Um, even though I've been up here in the mainland for going on 10 years already. And honestly, San Diego is my home now, but Hawaii will always be like where my heart is. It's always, uh, it's always going to be my home home and everybody always has my back. So, um, yeah, I think just that support system alone, uh, is, is probably like the biggest thing to me. Um, and what means the most to me. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. I think there is a really big opportunity for you. You mentioned, Kylan, I don't think things have, have quite panned out so far to, you know, to, to her liking or maybe even like what the, the UFC had in terms of plans for her. Um, so you are sort of the one right now in terms of, of female MMA coming out of Hawaii. Yeah, in a sense. You know, there's, there's Raquel Pa'aluhi, um, Okay, so so the the main there's like five of us, I I believe it's uh, Raquel Paaluhi, who I always I love that girl. She's one of my closest friends. She's um, been one of my mentors throughout this entire journey. She fights for Invicta. She actually fought for the belt uh, last year. Um, she's uh, an amazing jujitsu player and fighter. 
She's black belt, just won Nogi Worlds, just got second place at, at the past um, IBJJF Worlds. So she's just an incredible human being. And um, so she, she, I always consider her as kind of like, um, she was a pioneer for us because she was, I think she was the first, honestly, mm. you know, who kind of broke out onto the scene. <laughs> so I, uh, Raquel, then there's Kylan who went to the UFC, but yeah, I'm not sure if she's fighting anymore. Um, and then there's Rachel Ostevich who fights for the UFC as well in the, in uh, the flyweight division. And she's, she's just getting started. You know, uh, I'm really excited to see her career excel. And, um, so, and then there's Angela Lee, obviously right. Angela Lee is with uh one. Um, and it's, it's funny because all five of us wrestled. So Angela is a, is quite younger than us. I think she was, uh, yeah, she was a few years younger than us, but, Raquel, myself, Rachel, and Kylan, we were all the same years wrestling. So they were actually the ones that I, I saw doing MMA, and I was like, hey, like, they're doing good. I can do too. But uh, in terms of, you know, being um, kind of the one right now, uh, it there was a, mo- a point when, you know, a lot of people are asking me, and they still ask me, are you planning on going over to the UFC? And this was actually, like, right when my career was um, in its starting stages, people were like, oh, well, um, do you want to go to the UFC or do you want to stay with Bellator? And at that time, Kylan was with the UFC. And so one of, like, one of my, um, the reasons why I did want to stay with Bellator was because there wasn't any Hawaiian uh, girls or girls from Hawaii in the, in the promotion. So I kind of felt like it was, it was going to be my thing. You know, I was going to be one of the um, pioneers for, for local girls in Bellator, and uh, I'm really happy with my decision that I made. Like Bellator, is so good to me, um, and I just love being able to represent not just women from Hawaii, but Hawaii in the promotion. You know, because right now it's, it's kind of just me, Kendall Grove, I believe, are the only are the only fighters from Hawaii in the promotion right now. It's also just kind of your division right now too. It's 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 a division that uh, is essentially being built up and can now be built up around somebody who's emerging as a star. Exactly. Like I said, I, I was like I felt like I was one of the first. Uh, well, I was literally part of the first wave of female fighters that they signed, mm-hmm. and so um, yeah, it 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 was incredible. Like I'm I'm almost like the poster child a little bit for Bellator. And, you know, if I go to the UFC, then I'm going to be at the bottom. I have to start at the bottom, you know? So that's one of the biggest reasons. Like, yeah, my entire career has been with Bellator. I'm loyal to them. Um, you know, again, they treat me right. And um, they're like family to me. So I, I really love Bellator. One of the things I like about following your career and following your social media and stuff like that is some of the non-fighting things and a lot of them do relate back to uh hawaii so i'd really love for you to be able to talk about the eliminator scholarship uh and what exactly that is yeah so the eliminator scholarship i just uh started this year um i had so i work with uh a non-profit um a nonprofit group in the summers. They're called Intertribal Youth. And basically it's a program that um, is for Native youth. So Native American, Native Alaskan, Native Hawaiian, 
youth. And it's a, it's like a summer school program, almost cultural enrichment, educational. And I've been working with them for a few years now, just as a mentor. And last summer I went on a cultural exchange, exchange to Panama with them. And, uh, we spent some time with some of the indigenous tribes out there. The, uh, one of them being the Embarakera. And so while we were out there, my mentor and the director of the program, he was saying like, yeah, you know, I really want the chief, the chief of the tribe we were, we were staying at. Um, he, he was like, yeah, I really want the daughter to be able to come and attend, um, attend one of the programs, one of our programs, but, uh, you know, it's too expensive. Like th- these are literally people who, you know, live off the land. They live in huts out there. And so he's like, yeah, the cost, uh, they, she just can't afford the cost. So I said, I was like, well, if I win the belt anytime, like I'm going to fly her out to the program. Like I'll fly her out to San Diego so she can attend um, the summer school program. And it was crazy because at that point, like, so we were staying in the village. There's no service out there nothing. And when we finally got back into town, into the city a few days later, when we got reception, my managers called me and they're like, Hey, we just got the call. You're going to fight for the belt, uh, in November. So I'm just like, I turned to Mark. I'm like, all right, it's going down. Like I'm going to fight for the belt now. So it kind of all lined up. And then after I won, then I called Mark up and I was like, all right, now what do we got to do? Like, let's do this. So he, um, he was the one who's been helping me. Okay, well, why don't we, why don't we call it a scholarship then? Cause that's what it is. You know, you're like going to give this, this young girl an opportunity to travel, um, out of Panama and off her reservation. We're like, okay, yeah, okay. It'll be a scholarship. And then he was like, well, why don't we open it up to the public hmm. and see if anyone else wants to donate or like match your scholarship? I'm like, okay. So this is all stuff. I've never done this before. So I was like, I don't think anybody's going to want to donate that much, but okay. And so we ended up, but we, we ended up opening it up to the public and we raised enough money for a total of five scholarships. Wow. So yeah, it's super dope. And, and in case listeners don't know anything about it, it's called the Eliminator Scholarship. That's my site nickname. And the, um, it's for young native girls, ages 12 to to 18 and um you know statistically indigenous women and and girls they face the highest rates of violence um so that's why i wanted to give them the opportunity to you know be able to travel be able to get off the island or off the reservation be able to see um you know strong women in leadership roles and just show them that like they can do it too like give them a voice to fight back um you know even telling somebody to fuck off can be enough to save them from from getting harmed you know so i just want to give them instill that confidence in them so that's how scholarship was created and uh i literally just turned in um my scores what we had uh, i just scored the applicants um so it's a panel of three judges. It's myself, Mark, the program director, and then um, one of my uh, aunties who has helped with the entire process. And so uh, we're tallying up the scores right now to, to choose the five recipients. Yeah, you mentioned something that I was uh, thinking of that um, 
Women from Native cultures are kind of an overlooked group. Um, you mentioned uh, statistics with physical violence, but there's also you know sexual exploitation. Um, there's high dropout rates from uh, university and from high school and things like that. Uh, so I think that's really cool that not only are you doing this for these girls, but you're also sort of raising awareness to to the larger issue as well. Mm -hmm. uh, can people still... Yeah, and there's a... Donate? Yeah, can people still donate? Yeah, so this is going to be an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, people can totally donate. They just look up the Illuminator Scholarship. There's buttons there. Um, that they can donate to. So yeah, this will always be open. Um, just the campaign, the campaign for it will be probably like once a year where I'm really like um, ad advertising it and everything. Um, but going back to, uh, you know, uh, these, these native girls and indigenous girls, um, statistically, again, facing the highest rates of violence, like there's this movement that is... Um, that was started uh, called the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Movement. And so it's like hashtag MM, uh, Missing and Murdered, IW for Indigenous Women. And, you know, the, you're seeing a lot more in the media um, uh, movies such as Wind River right. that is bringing awareness to, the, yeah, Wind River was incredible. And so... You know, stuff like that. More celebrities are are taking notice of it too about this movement because, um, yeah, like Indigenous women is often they're often very overlooked. Like there were no statistics in uh, North America, um, in Canada, I believe, for for the missing and murdered women. So, um, this is something that I thought just tied in perfectly to my mission and and what I was trying to do. And in fact, uh, for my fight. I am coming out to a song. It's a remix. It's called Red Skin Girl, and it's by a tribe called Red and uh, Northern Cree Singers. And uh, it's if you watch the music video for it, it's very it's it's a very it has a political message to it. It's about um, you know kind of the over sexualization of Native women in in the media and mainstream media. Like you always see movies um, where the pretty Indian girl falls in love with the white soldier or something, you know? So um, it's a, it has a pretty political message, uh, especially if you watch the music video. So I'm going to be coming, I'm going to be walking out to the cage to that fight. And I'm also going to be escorted out by a jingles dancer, um, which is a, a girl, a girl dancer, a traditional um, native American dancer. So that's going to be really cool. And also, we're going to be wearing red because red is the color for the, the missing and murdered indigenous women movement. So it, it's going to be a little subtle, you know, cause it, it's kind of difficult to get to, to be very political on social media. Um, so I, you know, I can't like come out with a white handprint on my mouth, which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to like take pictures with that, but I think it's like, it's a little too, uh, it's, it might be a little too much for some, for some viewers. So we kind of have to do it a little more subtle, that which is fine. That's totally fine. But that, that would <laughs> yeah. be badass though. Yeah. Um, were these issues that you were aware of or witnessed to growing up? Or is this something that you 
learned about and became involved in later on? Um, it was definitely something I, I started getting involved more with in college. Um, and not to say that I wasn't aware of a lot of the um, discrepancies between like Pacific Islanders and Native Hawaiians and Hawaii, because there is a clear discrepancy. Um, you know, uh, Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders, uh, the majority of them live below the poverty line pretty much in Hawaii. You know, there's tons of gentrification going on. The homeless population is mainly, is mainly comprised of Native Hawaiian Pacific Islanders. The educational system, the public education system in Hawaii is super bad. So, um, I was always aware of it, uh, but I, I didn't become more, um, involved in it until I, until college, you know, I, I majored in cultural anthropology. So I took a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, not humanitarian courses, but just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of courses that opened my eyes to a lot of things. And, um, yeah. And then now, especially that, so like I, I went to college, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I wanted to be a social studies teacher in high school hey. and, yeah, that's why I'm like, you're a teacher. Cool. I'm going to do an interview with you. Uh, so, yeah, like I've always wanted to be a teacher. It's always it's always been my dream. But then I took a slight detour. But um, my whole thing is that is that now that I have fighting, I actually have a platform, an even bigger platform almost to um, to influence people and to still teach. Um, might not be social studies, but you know, it's a way, it's a, it's a way of, of learning. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy that I got it into fighting and like, you know, I'm still planning on becoming a teacher really? at some point. I mean, it might be a teacher of like martial arts, but, mm-hmm. um, I'm still going to teach. Yeah. Do you do, I saw that you do, uh, teach classes, but have you ever done anything, uh, with, um, women or native women in terms of like self-defense classes, like non-sport. So that's something, yeah, that's actually something that we were, we were, um, toying with the idea, especially for that summer program, because, um, that summer program on intertribal youth is like a two week long program. And, um, they do have physical activities in the curriculum, but, Every summer I had a fight coming up and I just couldn't, I, I could not take, or I was out of town, you know, I was like in a different country. So it just didn't work out the timing. Like I wasn't able to get in there with the students, but with that said, like I am always down to do some type of self-defense. It, it literally comes down to people asking me mm. like, Hey, would you be able to come and do the seminar? Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I would love to do it. And I think this year we probably, um, we'll be able to do, uh, the, the summer school program. I'll be able to go in and do some type of seminar for them. Cause I, I have a lot of good ideas. I mean, granted fighting in a cage is a lot different than fighting for your life out on the street where there are no rules and everything, but I walk at night confident in my ability to be able to defend uh, off an attacker, you know? So, and I'm confident that, I can give that same type of confidence to, to other girls. Hmm. 
I'm curious, I'm a little bit ignorant on the topic, so forgive me if it's a silly question, but do you feel um, a kinship with other Pacific Island cultures? Uh, and the reason I ask is, again, I could be incorrect, but uh, you did a photo shoot once where you had um, the tattoo on your chin, which I believe mm -hmm. represents uh, like women of status and leadership. Um, and I know that you've been to New Zealand and I think you have like a traditional uh, Maori style tattoo. Um, so is there kind yeah. of like a, a kinship between uh, Pacific cultures? Yes, there is in fact. I mean, so we all, we all are voyagers, you know, we came from the ocean. Um, the migratory patterns show that, uh, that yeah, we came up from, the Hawaiians came up from the South Pacific. So, you know, they the they migrated kind of like down from the theory is they migrated down from Asia, you know, through the Philippines, through Indonesia, all down through those islands. Um, I believe down there is like Malaysia and then went down to the South Pacific, so like through New Zealand, Samoa, Tahiti, Easter Island, and up north through Marquesas Island, through uh all the way up to Hawaii, right? So we are all like we're totally all related, we're cousins. And that was kind of what, um, so when I went to New Zealand, I contacted these uh, photographers and I did voice my concern with them that, you know, I'm not, I'm actually not Maori, but would it be okay? Like, do you guys photograph non-Maori people wearing traditional dress? And they're like, yes. And they're like, we're all cousins, you know, it's all the same. Cool. And so um, I got their blessings to do it. And typically what they do is they like to do uh, cross culture or, or cross cultural things. So they'll take, they'll take implements or props. So they were trying to get um, a headpiece to represent my Hawaiian culture, but they didn't have it. Um, so instead they're like, are you okay with just going full Maori? And I'm like, yeah, if you guys are okay with it, I'll do it. So that was really cool. And they wrote up, they, they had a really nice write up about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're totally, and here's, here's a little, another little lesson. Um, so the Pacific ocean is comprised like every, everything in the Pacific, you know, the Philippines, Micronesia, then Guam, Hawaii, Samoa, all everything, everything in the Pacific ocean could be considered Pacific Islander, right? But Polynesia, the northern is a Polynesian triangle. So the northernmost point is Hawaii down to the um, southwest is going to be Aotearoa or New Zealand, where I was. And then out to the east is Rapa Nui or Easter Island, where the stone head, heads are. That's what they're most um, commonly known for. So everything within that triangle is considered Polynesia. So when somebody says, like, yeah, I'm Polynesian, then it means that they are from some, the culture is within that triangle. So it could be like, they could be Samoan, Tongan, Tahitian, Fijian, Hawaiian, but they're considered Polynesian. So I'm taking a bit of a sabbatical um, from the world of education. Mm -hmm. This is something that's been talked about on this podcast for a bit. Uh, I'm also, well, I, I come from social studies, so I've been a social studies teacher. Um, I've been a social studies coach. I know I, I look like I'm about 18, but um, for the last four years, I've been an assistant principal. Um, and I'm taking a break and I'm going out into the world. So I will 
be in that? What grade? Uh, high school. So I've done, you know, okay. all of them, nine through 12. Um, yeah. But I have a one-way ticket to uh, the Philippines, and I'm going to just sort of see oh, nice. what happens. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you have a suggestion um, if I could only visit one island or, or country or culture in the Pacific. That's not Hawaii because I think maybe that's unfair because that's, uh, that's where you're from. Uh, where should I go? Well, so I've only been, obviously, to Hawaii and to New Zealand. Okay. I was supposed to go to Tahiti in April for my birthday, but then I got booked for this fight, so I wasn't able to go. Um, but So Tahiti's next on my, on my list. Um, but, you know, New Zealand was amazing. You know, there's so much to do in New Zealand. And it's, it's also an easy country. And what I mean by easy is, is that... Um, everybody speaks English there, you know, they have traffic laws that people actually abide by. Um, you don't have to pay 25 cents to, uh, get toilet paper for the restrooms. So it, it was an easy country to travel in. Um, with that being said, again, New Zealand was amazing. There's such a really, there's a really cool cultural dynamic there, um, between the Maori and, um, the Kiwi or, you know, uh, people there and, and very, very hospitable country, very friendly people. So I really enjoyed New Zealand. But if you're looking for like something to stretch yourself, <laughs> I guess, you know, like, uh, uh, I don't know. I want to say maybe like Fiji. Hmm. It might be pretty cool. But you're, I feel like you're already getting that experience in the Philippines, you know, kind of like that, like, I don't want to say grungy, but like, you know, Philippines, you're getting that travel in with the Philippines. It's, it, yeah, it's yeah. tough in it. No, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, yeah. I would say New Zealand. Cool. Yeah. Right around the time that you won the belt and since then, there's been a lot of weird things that are happening to you or surrounding you and your life. Um, you've talked about a lot of them, so I'm, I'm not going to necessarily make you rehash that stuff. People could go uh, check some of that stuff out on YouTube. Um, but maybe more recently now, there's also continuing devastation because of the volcano that is continuing to erupt. And I'm wondering if, mm -hmm. uh, if that's affected your, your family and your friends at all. Um, so I don't know anybody personally. So, so my immediate family, they're all on a different island. I'm from Oahu. So, um, that was nice, but, um, I do have some like cousins up on the big island, but so far everyone that I know personally has been okay. If anything, they just might be affected by the VOG. Um, okay. you know, uh, they might have trouble. Yeah. The VOG is all the ash and everything coming over. So, um, you know, breathing wise, they might be getting more allergy attacks and whatnot. But, um, so far everyone that I know personally has been okay, but you know, it, it still, it seems you, you can probably make it personal just by seeing videos that are being posted, you know, with like social media and everything. Like every day I see a video pop up of someone posting something 
you know, earthquake related or volcano related. And I'm just like, oh, shit, it kind of feels like you're there. It feels like, you know, these people, you're like in the living room with them, you know. So, um, yeah, in that sense, it, it's it's kind of sad. But, um, yeah, I don't want to say fortunately, but fortunately, I my family is OK and my friends are OK. OK. Um, again, I won't rehash them, but just so people know, some of those weird things I'm referring to are. Uh, like a break-in, a uh, fire in which your your belt got burned. Um, instead of harping on the negative, though, how has your life changed since becoming champion um, in a positive way? Yeah. So and it's funny that you say that because I didn't look at any of that at all as being negative. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll revisit the fire story because I think it's crazy but basically i was on a different island i was on Kauai with a sponsor i'm actually wearing them right now aloha um but i was i was with a sponsor and we were doing photo shoots on the farm it's a taro farm and so yeah i had my belt out there they hired a guy a videographer to come out and do clips and um we were staying on the farm in a traditional hawaiian house so it's full on like thatched roofing, open concept, like, like very old Hawaiian house. And, um, the plan for that night, we were just going to stay at home and just chill and just shoot the shit. But of course I was like, Hey, are there any karaoke bars around here? <laughs> so they're like, yeah, we'll take you to some karaoke bars. So we end up going out and when we come back, the whole house is on fire and we're just like, holy shit, what happened? And again, it was a very, very old house. So it's like anything could have set it off, you know? Um, it was all made of like thatched roofing and wood, dry wood. So, um, yeah, long story short, the house burned down. It had all of our stuff in it, including my belt. And, um, I immediately pulled my phone out and I took a picture of the fire and I texted Bellator and I was like, Hey guys, so what happens if your belt gets burned in a fire? And um, it was crazy because literally all our stuff was in there, including our phone chargers, like if we left, like all the stuff we traveled with. Um, so when we tried to get on the plane the next day to go back home to Oahu, um, yeah, we have to go through super extra security because we're like, okay, this is what happened. We don't have any of our IDs or tickets. Like our phones are dead. So we have to explain what happened. And we are also all super dirty, covered in soot, like no extra clothes. So we have to wear our clothes that were like covered with the fire shit. And so we finally get back to Oahu and uh, I get I get showered, I get in bed, I'm exhausted. And then my phone starts going off and it's like, missile inbound, seek shelter immediately. This is not a drill. I'm like, what the fuck? This is the craziest trip ever. <laughs> so yeah, there was a bunch of weird that happened like one right after the other. But in the moment though, like when the fire happened or, or you know, no, I, I tell you like in hindsight, it like, it actually just brought everyone together. Like the the fire was probably one of the best things that could have happened because it brought the entire community together. 
Uh, we were able to raise money to replace all the equipment that was lost. It became a, an educational learning opportunity. Um, they literally brought schools of children from around the island to come and learn how to build a traditional Whoa. Hawaiian house. You know, so it was it was a very amazing process. I flew back up to Kauai um, for the fundraiser, and it was awesome seeing the community come together. So there was that. And, and everybody's like, but your belt, your belt. I'm like, I don't give a shit about the belt. Yeah. Like, I'm still champion. I don't need no fucking belt. Um, and the joke is like, oh, I, I already defended the belt against the fire. Or like, I lost the belt against the fire. So it's your first but loss. I, we, um, yeah, so the fire happened. And then as far as the missile, the missile scare, I was with my dad. And, and he's like, in, he's in his 70s, you know. And at first, we were kind of like, oh, shit, we're totally going to die because our house is not equipped at all to take a blast, yeah. a missile blast. So it's like single single walls and, like, windows everywhere. So after a while, me and my dad were like, you know, let's just go lay down in bed and start saying our goodbyes. And, and we were just talking about it. We're like, you know, we've lived pretty cool lives. I mean, considering I'm, uh, at the time I was only 27, I was like, I've lived a really great fucking life for a 27-year-old. Like, I've traveled to shit ton of places. Like, I've done all these crazy things. I'm totally happy. Like, I can totally die. Jesus. <laughs> in bed, like, all right, what's going to happen? And so it was, it was cool. It was kind of like cool experiences, and I didn't look at it as negatives. It was just like... Oh, another crazy story from Elimo's travels, like, checked off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, all those things kind of give you exposure. You took a, a video of the fire, and um, I think you talked about one of those, or, or the situation with, uh, I think, your father's sibling. I think you were on the MMA hour talking about that. Um, so they're all yeah. things, again, that make you interesting. The Harvey show. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. He's more famous than I am. Yeah. If, so, yeah, it's a, if anything, it's like, yeah, it puts me out there and it also shows people that I'm normal, like I'm a normal human, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, besides the fact that I always have crazy ass travel stories, like, like, yeah. Yeah. When everybody heard that, um, what happened, they're just like, dude, dude, we never thought, cause I have some crazy travel stories and they're like, we didn't think it could get any crazier, but it does. We're never traveling with you. Oh, man. We might have to do a second episode about that sometime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could tell you some stories. Awesome. <laughs> uh, there's also been, I mean, uh, just some like really positive things, right? Like you, you just mentioned the clothing sponsorship. I saw you post the other day uh, a Budweiser sponsorship. Like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, but, you know... Um, Again, it's cool because both of those sponsorships are Hawaii-based. Mm. So, again, like I said, like the Hawaii support system is incredible. Um, I was with a clothing brand company for a long time, the 86ers, and they're based out of L.A. And I have, like, nothing bad to say about them. They're totally cool. Those are my homies. Um, but it just made more sense to go with a local brand um, a local brand that just kind of fits my style and my personality a little bit better. So yeah, we went with ambassadors with Aloha, which is, um, 
brand that's kind of spearheaded by Keikoa Casimero. He's a professional surfer. Um, and yeah, like from the minute that I met them, it was just like family. Like it, it was like we knew each other our whole lives. And you'll find that a lot with Hawaii people, um, especially up here in the mainland. Like if we meet another person from Hawaii, we're like, oh my gosh, oh, who do you know? You know? So um, yeah, I'm really happy with that. And then the, the Budweiser thing, um, it's funny, my cousins work for Budweiser and they kind of work for like the marketing promo side of it. So they're like, hey, do you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? So, That's awesome. Uh, so it's always like about the connections. It's about who you know in Hawaii. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you you have all these things that are um, not fighting related necessarily that you have your hand in. Um, you know, you're talking mm-hmm. about the 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 cultural trips and the scholarship and possibly going back to teaching. And I think sometimes that like people who like, so myself, right. I'm, I'm not an athlete. Um, I've always said to myself, like, I don't really necessarily define myself by the work I do. And I think that sometimes we forget that, uh, even though you might love fighting, like that's, that's still your job and your career. Um, so I'm curious, I know you said, we, we talked about the strategy of sort of staying with Bellator, but I'm wondering if you, just have like a long-term life plan for yourself. Is is there five more years of this and then onto something else or do you not think of those things? No, I, I definitely do, but I don't, I'm not necessarily like binded by it, you know, cause, cause like probably three years ago, I thought I had my life figured out. I thought I was with the man I was going to marry and I was going to be like an NFL wife and whatever. But then, shit changed and so that's why I'm like I I always said that I wanted to give myself till 30 to fight because 30 was around the time that I wanted to start having kids um but the older that I get the more I keep pushing kids off (laughs) so I'm like well maybe I can fight a little bit longer or whatever but then again you don't know like tomorrow I could turn my ACL and never fight again so that's why it it's it's like I do have these very loose time frames. So, yeah, I, I have these timelines, but they're not necessarily strict. But I do know that eventually, like, I do want to start having kids. And I want to be, like, a mother and a wife and all that good shit. So uh, I, I have a biological time clock for that. So, yeah, who knows? I'm saying maybe, like, mid-30s. Okay. Um so you mentioned dating, and this is—I feel like I have to ask this. Um, you've actually like talked about dating quite a lot. Um, I listened to the the Matt Therapy uh, podcast oh, yeah. to prepare for this, um, and Bellator had done like a short little video. I think it was Bellator had done like a short little video in the past. And initially, I was like, I saw the title of it, and it was like uh, Elimilate talks dating or something. And I was like, oh god, like of course they're gonna ask a female fighter about this. Like maybe this will be cringy. Um, but that stuff's actually been pretty fun. And I have to ask you about. I wrote down because for, I'm, I'm forgetting what you called it. Uh, okay, so you had done kind of like the the pre and post videos for a Bellator card for MMA fighting. And at the end of it, you mentioned fight for love. Was that a joke (laughs) or is that something that's real? No, it's something that's like, I totally would love to do, but I just don't don't know how to get that off the ground. Um, 
Can you explain? Uh, no, but that's something like I've put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> and I would still would love to do it. Um, yeah, I, I, I was working with somebody like I mentioned it to one of my friends who's into acting and he was like, oh, my gosh, that's a great idea. Like, let me start working on it. So he full on had like non-disclosure agreements to sign and shit um, because he's like, this is a super good idea. I'm going to try and get this like picked up somewhere. But that was like over a year ago. So I'm like, eh, okay, well, how I, but you know, now that Bellator switched over to Paramount Network station, now I'm kind of like, well, maybe some of the Paramount execs would pick something like that up. But, uh, yeah, who knows if any, if, if, Honestly, I either want my own dating show or I want to be on The Amazing Race. Can, can you describe that premise, the premise for uh, your dating show that may or may oh, not happen? Fight, fight for Love? Yeah. Yeah, so basically it would be like The Bachelorette. I would be The Bachelorette meets The Ultimate Fighter. So the concept is I would be the matchmaker. Ha, ha, ha. I'd be the matchmaker, and it would be a house full of fighters. I'm going to choose the weight class, men fighters. Um, I mean, I don't discriminate, but, I mean, if, I guess if women want to do it, they can, but they'd have to fight guys. <laughs> but it would be a house full of fighters uh, in a particular weight class, and I would match them up to fight each other. And, you know, there would be, like, yeah, like, winner moves on in, in the dating contest or whatever. Um, I would have, like, stupid little... Um, uh, challenges randomly, like, all right, you guys have to make weight today. Uh, whoever gets closest to weight, like, wins a date with me or whatever. And um, it, instead of there being a rose ceremony, it would be a belt ceremony. So I'll be like, will you accept this belt? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I would be called the Bellatorette because this would be all, you know, backed by Bellator. Um, and... Yeah. So, oh, and then the twist at the end was that uh, whoever is the winner, they have to choose between me or a contract with Bellator. So, yeah, that would be the twist. What if the best fighter is like Butterbean or something like that? <laughs> like, what if it's too bad? Eh, well, see, that's why, like, we're thinking about the weight class. Like, all right, which weight class would I want to date, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm thinking, like, Anywhere between 155 and I can go up to 185. Okay. Yeah, 155 to 185. I think I would date those those weight classes. <laughs> um, let's talk the fight real quick. Um, I believe, I think it was after your last fight you had mentioned potentially fighting uh, Valerie Letourneau, who has uh, a, a bit of a platform, right? Because she she fought for the UFC, so she has a, a bit of a name behind her. Um, but you aren't fighting her and you're fighting someone who is pretty dangerous. Um, so what are your thoughts on the fight going into it? Um, so I'm fighting Alejandra Lada. She is from team Lobos, which is a very, very good camp in Guadalajara, Mexico. And I know them because they're the Grasso families, um, oh. and who we're very cool with the Grasso's like Alexa, um, Grasso and uh, her training partner Irene Aldana. They fight in the UFC. They have girls in Combates, Invicta, Bellator. So they have a lot of high-level girls there. 
And we know them because they used to train with us in San Diego. Whenever they were in California, they would come and train with us. So we're really cool with that team. Um, but anyway, so my opponent, Alejandra, she is pretty well-rounded. She's actually like karate style. Um, and, but a lot of finishes have come by way of the ground. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because she's also like uh, an acrobat girl, like an aerial acrobat Person. Oh, yeah, she's like a dancer. So, she's, yeah, yeah, but, like, one of those, like, very athletic, mm-hmm. flexible artists, you know? So she's, super, so she's like, very athletic, obviously, really good with her body weight um, and very flexible. Like, I'm pretty sure she's double-jointed. So that'll probably make for some interesting uh, ground game. Um, but, yeah, she's a style that I've never faced before. I've never faced um, a striker like her or someone who's, like, insanely flexible like that. So I think it'll be pretty interesting. Um, and Valerie Laternal is fighting on the, the main card with me um, against Christina Williams, who I think is, like, the biggest thing right now. You know, she's been derailing all of these hype trains and big names. So I'm really excited for that fight. And I have a feeling mm. that the winner of that fight will probably get the winner of my fight. Um, when you win on June 29th, when do you want to fight again? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, probably not until like winter, honestly, like before the end of the year. I'm I'm pretty cool with just fighting like twice a year. Um, if anybody knows me, they know that I like to take a hiatus off of everything after my fight and like go travel and I, I'm gone for like a month, uh, pretty much just traveling. So. Um, and then two, I know I'm supposed to defend my combat jujitsu belt for EBI, um, coming up. So Eddie said like we would figure out a date after this fight. So yeah, I'm cool with doing like two fights and then one other like big competition. Okay. So do you know where you want to travel to after this fight? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to Greece. Oh, sweet. Um, I said sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so I was supposed to go last year, um, but then I had to cancel my ticket because um, Bellator sent me to the VMAs, so I have to reuse that ticket up. Um, so I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go to Greece afterwards and who knows, maybe like visit a couple other countries while I'm out in that area. Awesome. Um, so not to brag, but you are the fifth i think you're the fifth fighter that i've had um just totally coincidentally the the last episode that i did was with um a fighter as well uh fry for whatever reason every fighter i've had has has been from women's mma um i think maybe just uh men are less likely to answer a, a a random dm from a guy um but yeah every fighter who has fought again, after appearing on the podcast, has won. So you now, without even knowing... Because you just drank me. No, 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 no. No, you now have, like, the, the positive mojo from the TV TV podcast, and you are going to, <laughs> to win on June 29th. Um, before I get you out of here, there's a, a, a few things. At this point in the episode, folks know... I'm hopefully going to have that song play uh, that you mentioned as your walkout uh, song. Um, 
I'm going to do a, a giveaway that people can, can access on Instagram for the new shirts because those look really cool, the Pineapple Princess shirts. Um, I am going to promote the scholarship and I am going to donate um, $500 to the scholarship. So hopefully that uh, can help make a bit of a difference. Um, Dude, you're a teacher. You can't afford that. <laughs> I am a early 30 um, administrator salaried person with no adult responsibilities at all. Uh, no car, no kids, no anything but traveling the world. So I can, and I'm going okay. to, and I'm going to uh, ask that listeners also if if it's if it's one to five dollars or something like that, and then they can screenshot that and send it to me. I'll send them some stickers or something from the podcast. Oh, um, dude, that's amazing! You're incredible. That's so cool. I'm just like, I feel so bad too because I'm like, I I know what teachers make and. That's crazy. But like you say, you don't have any responsibility. That's how I feel. Mm. I don't even have a dog or anything. Nope. Like, Same. it's just me. No fish. Yeah. So now I'm, yeah. I mean, I have a live-in boyfriend now, but whatever. We'll yeah. One, um, one of the people who had matched the donations in the past was Kira Batara, who was yeah one of the first people I had on here. So um, there's that little connection, too. Cool. Is there anything else that oh, yeah, that's awesome. you want to plug or promote or anything that people should uh, check out after listening to this? Um, no, I mean, yeah, we covered everything. Like my new t-shirts just dropped um, if they're interested. And it's like they have a hoodies and everything too. So that's Ambassadors with Aloha or A-W-A. Um, so ambassadorswithaloha.com. Um, if you guys want to follow me on my social media, uh, just look up Eliminator, I-L-I-M-A, which is my first name, and then Nader, N-A-T-O-R. Um, other than that, though, uh, yeah, I'm actually, I agreed to do this, um, to do this interview uh, for listeners because uh, Tim's original message to me was like, I'm a teacher at a charter school, which I was like, yes, extra point there. And also extra point for mentioning Jin Yu Fry because I, I'm a huge fan of mm. Jin. And we haven't met in person ever, but we're still, like, really cool on social media. Um, her and her husband gave me uh, some travel pointers when I went to Peru and hooked me up oh, with, cool. like, some really awesome guides out there. So, um, yeah, we've, we've always been really cool with each other. So that was an extra point. And then also um, you were saying that, this podcast is a labor of love. You know, you don't make money off of it or anything. You're not involved necessarily in the MMA community. You're not like a pot, like a journalist, MMA reporter or whatever. So I just thought that was really cool that you would be interested and reach out. Um, and believe me, I get messages on the daily from mm. people that want to do stuff. And I don't know, for some reason I was like, yes. This guy seems cool. I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, hey, thank you. That's awesome. Um, and again, like I, I say this all the time, but it's like I just I just kind of sit here and, and talk to people that uh, inspire me and that I'm interested in. And um, it, it truly is an honor and, and to just to, to talk to you and to have your time. And um, I'm going to be rooting for you on June 29th. Thanks, dude. Thank you so much.
That's yeah. really cool. I'd love to come back on and talk about my crazy travel stories next time. That would be awesome. <laughs> okay, Voyagers, that was episode number 63 with Alima Leigh McFarlane. As mentioned in the intro, please go to the show notes for this episode to find all of her social media stuff, the scholarship, and all sorts of other information about Alima Leigh, and check her out on June 29th, fighting for, or defending her title for uh, the Bellator Flyweight Championship. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening and for supporting. You can further support if you want to go to patreon.com. That's a subscription-based service where it's like $1 a month if that's all you can give, or 5 or 10 or 10000 whoa. And um, that all goes into the production costs and to the experiences that are going to lend themselves to further interviews and things like that as I take this ridiculous trip around the world. Um, so yeah, you can find that in the show notes as well. Thank you everybody for listening. And as always, please take care of each other.